Welcome to For the Record, where we go on the record with today's leading influencers and experts to discuss the latest trends in legal innovation and the business of law. I'm your host, Erin Harrison, and today we're joined by one of my favorite people in legal and technology and journalism, Zach Warren, who is the editor-in-chief of Legal Tech News. Zach and I go back quite a few years, actually, as former colleagues at both Inside Counsel, uh, which was later acquired by ALM, and then Legal Tech News, of which I'm the former editor. Um, so it's really a pleasure to have you, Zach, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, favorite people. I'm, that's heartwarming right there. I like that. <laughs> it's appreciated. Absolutely true. And <laughs> I think where I wanted to start, um, and I know we'll cover quite a few areas in our conversation today. But I'm really curious because, you know, it's weird not seeing you at least every few months where, you know, we would typically get to catch up in person at um, live events, in-person events. And I'm, I'm curious, and I think our listeners are too, about how things have changed for you the most as a journalist since this pandemic began, you know, going on a year ago you know, from both sides of the coin, whether, um, you know, you maybe had some positives that they came out in the last year. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because this time of year, normally I'd be talking to you and say, okay, so let's catch up for coffee when I'm in New York in two weeks and we'll see how everything is doing. And it, it'd be, okay, so we last saw each other in August. So what has happened between August and February? But Right now, obviously, I can't go anywhere. Um, I was thinking about it, and before I left for the East Coast, drove, didn't fly, uh, for Thanksgiving, I literally had not left the state of Minnesota between February and November. Um, so that is different. It is definitely weird. But I think kind of to your point, there definitely are some positives there because it allows me a wider breadth in who I talk to in certain instances. Um, a lot of times I think me personally, I kind of fell back on, well, I'll go to Legal Week New York. I'll go to Iltacon. I'll meet with people for four days and that'll just kind of be my outreach. That'll be what I do to stay up on things. In the the past nine, 10 months, I've had to make much more of a concerted effort to be proactive, to reach out to people, to say, hey, how are you doing? What's new here? What are some of the trends that as everything is going crazy that is happening in your arena? And despite the obvious downsides of not being able to talk to people in person and catch up, I do think, A, it made me a stronger reporter because it made me put myself out there a little bit, but B, it let me uh, have some of those conversations that I might not have had otherwise a little bit more spread out throughout the year. So as things started changing very, very quickly as tended to happen during the COVID or as continues to happen during the COVID pandemic, I should say too, um, it allowed Legal Tech News to be up on some of those trends and have a little bit more informed reporting on what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, I was going to actually ask whether it's become easier or harder for you guys to source for your stories, just given the fact that you're not able to attend events in person or have those you know, more casual face-to-face -face meetings to talk about emerging trends or stories or hear new ideas. 
Yeah, it's tough, right? Because everybody likes the face-to-face, and that's how I think you really get a connection with people. Um, so pretty much what I'm doing right now is I am having more of those meetings, um, jotting down notes, jotting down names. And as we start to get back to more of these in-person events, like I know Ilticon, at least the plan right now is to try and have in-person. We'll see what happens come August. But as we get back in person, there are so many more people that I've met now that when I put uh, faces to names and actually go to these conferences and see people, I'm thinking that those connections may happen even more naturally um, and that it will be even an even more productive conversation than what tends to happen half an hour as everybody's running around like crazy at those conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that's a a good segue into my next question um, with Legal Week. Um, you guys have kind of rebranded this year, Legal Week year coming up. I believe it's kicking off February 2nd. Uh, curious to hear what about this virtual event uh, that you're most excited about? Yeah, it's going to be weird, right? Um, it's definitely it is going to be, be weird. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I know we've talked about it before and offline as well, just kind of the differences between everybody being in person and running around like crazy versus something like this, where obviously it's virtual. There, I know ALM is trying to foment some of those conversations and have an exhibit hall feel, but it's mm-hmm. tough to do when you're on a virtual platform. Um, so I, it's definitely going to be a different legal week for me this year. What I'm very excited about, though, is I think it actually might afford me more opportunities to engage with some of the content than in the past. Um, mm-hmm. I know the past couple of legal weeks, I maybe saw one, maybe two sessions because a lot of my dance card was running around like crazy, making sure I built in time for myself to run from the third floor of the Hilton all the way over to the Warwick and back. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have to do that here. Here, I can kind of regiment my schedule a little bit easier easier to pop into some of those sessions to hear what people are talking about because I think it is good content and good conversations people are having and I think by being able to have virtual meetings and not just the craziness of everything happening it allows me to hone in on that a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah uh, I remember what that was like so I definitely understand how uh, you'll be able to actually immerse yourself more in the content aspect as opposed to running all over the place, all over the hotel and to other hotels in that immediate area of the Hilton. So I think that's definitely a positive. Um, so as I understand it, the February event is the first in a series of five virtual legal events that are designed to tackle the changing legal landscape and to help legal leaders restructure, rebuild, and reinvigorate today's law firms and legal departments. Um, that was sort of the the marketing language that I, I saw on one of the the event sites. Mm-hmm. It's it's difficult to pull off, I think, when you're it's usually um, a singular event that people are used to going to. Back in the day there was Legal Tech West also. Just curious, how are you differentiating each of the five events? Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. It's very tough to differentiate, especially when people are used to what it is. Um, I I mean, you know, as well as anybody, it was 
difficult to differentiate when the move was made from legal tech to legal week. And what did that expansion look like when they tried adding in other conferences and things? Um, it's kind of a needle that they're trying to thread. Um, what I would say with this particular five event one between now and July February, I don't think there's going to be much difference. February, the content looks very similar to what's been in the past. It's three days. It's overarching. In terms of what you'll see there, I don't think there's going to be much change. Where the change is really going to come in is March, April, May. Those are only one-day events. So they're going to be very segmented to a specific topic within legal tech and the legal world. I know for March, the one that's coming up, that's when legal business strategies is going to be up at the forefront, which kind of is similar to what we've done in the past with ALSPs and law firm CIOs, kind of more of the business side of things. Um, I know July, we're going to have an emerging tech focus and we're going to have some uh, debut awards there that have been kind of shelved in recent years. Uh, you're going to be hearing more about that from ALM coming next week, what those awards look like. Um, so they're trying different things for each one. They're going to have different keynotes for each one to differentiate. Uh, who knows whether that will actually come to fruition and people agree that they will be differentiated. Um, but it is something to at least try and extend, since we can't all be in person, extend the uh, conversations that are going to be happening and some of the great content that comes out of this a little bit longer throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And also you've got, I think, a pretty interesting lineup of keynote speakers for the February event. Uh, pretty interesting mix, actually, including Stacey Abrams, Chris Christie, uh, and Josh Walker, who's the one of the co-founders of Codex. Um, just curious, how did you guys choose these particular speakers. Yeah, I, this is probably a good time for my disclaimer too, that even though I am part of ALM, I am on the editorial side, the events division, that I work with them, they consult me, but they're the ultimate decision makers on this thing. Um, they are the ones who reach out to speakers, decide what makes sense, what doesn't, et cetera. So while I'm part sure. of the organization, I am saying this a little bit removed from the decision-making process, um, but I do know the thought. I mean, it kind of gets back to what you were saying earlier about how this is about the future of law. It's not necessarily the future of legal tech, though tech is obviously a big component it, but what the law will look like moving forward. So that's why I think there has been a move in recent years to involve more of the political side of things, especially for some of those keynotes. Rod Rosenstein was last year. They had uh, Loretta Lynch and Alberto Gonzalez before that. This year, that means that Stacey Abrams and Chris Christie are going to be on there, obviously coming at this with different viewpoints, but I think both very interesting viewpoints of what that future of law looks like. And then from the tech side of things too, Josh Walker, you know from Codex, you know from Legal AI, has books out on that subject. It kind of gives a mix of both, which is what I know that they've tried for in the past, both the political and regulatory side of things, as well as the tech side of things as well. Mm -hmm. You know, ALM, I think, is always uh, looking for new ways to reach audiences. Um, and recently, you guys launched a new product called the Barometer. Absolutely. So the original genesis behind Barometer 
was essentially taking some of the knowledge that's in ALM's global newsroom and matching it up with the topics of Legal Week New York that people are going to be talking about. But what it's kind of developed into, especially within the past month or two, is more just identifying the topics that really is are front and center and that people are talking about throughout a number of our articles. One of the main things within the barometer, if you go and click on it, or if you get the newsletter in your inbox, is uh, tons of links just with more information. Um, it, it's really impressed upon us, the people that are writing it, that it should have links throughout the entire thing because the topics that we're writing on and that people will be speaking on at Legal Week New York are fluid. They're constantly changing and moving and or what people are having conversations about. So the conversation subhead within that newsletter is all just quotes from people about the subjects. So ones that I've written about in the past, it's about the internationalization of new law. I wrote last week about how roles are going to be changing and staffing is going to be changing when people start to get back to the office. Christine Simmons has done a ton around the business of law and what that looks like, diversity efforts within law firms. Uh, Heather Nevitt has written on in-house and legal operations and what those operations are looking like moving forward. So essentially, I mean, it's at its bare bones, it's a newsletter. Uh, ALM has a ton of newsletters, but we do are putting a little bit more care into this one to try and A, tie those topics back to what people are going to be interested in in Legal Week New York, but B, conglomerate all of our coverage in one place and really identify those trends that people are talking about in a very succinct but exploratory manner. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that there's more analysis in these stories, which I think readers really value especially in this climate of uncertainty. Um, so I think you guys have been doing a great job with it. Um, you, you mentioned that, and I wanted to ask you about this, you recently wrote a piece about staff restructuring and other changes that we can expect in 2021. Um, what are some changes or ways that you would say we've adapted to working amidst the global pandemic that you think will actually stick around this year and, and maybe even beyond? Yeah, I mean, first of all, everything is still in flux. And that's something that I put in that piece and that I think people they know cognitively, but don't really talk about it much is this is something this types of restructurings are going to be continuing into 2022 and beyond. This mm -hmm. is such a transformational revolutionary time for what the future of work looks like. And nobody really knows what is going to be happening on the other side of this thing. Um, with that said, obviously, the move to virtual is big. Uh, a lot of people, even if they're not going to be working virtual full time, I think you're going to see a lot more flexible work. Um, my colleague, Victoria Hudgens, wrote about lawyers taking on administrative tasks a lot more. And that's something I can definitely see moving forward. A lot of attorneys being on top of some of their own uh, time and billing legal research, even discovery for litigators in a way that maybe they hadn't previously because they've had a baptism by fire here with the technology. Another thing that I think you're going to see is hopefully uh, more collaboration between everybody as well since 
since people have, by necessity, been talking over Zoom, been talking over Teams, Slack, these other communication platforms, they know now a little bit better not only the work-life balance of it all, but also how to communicate what's happening in a way that – or even if you can't necessarily go down the hall to talk to somebody – um, it's, it's going to be interesting and kind of to the point with that piece that you mentioned with staffing as well, it may mean that some roles get laid off, but one of the people that I quoted in that piece said, yes, that's possible, but what ultimately it's going to be is who brings value to the organization and there are a lot of places where legal secretaries, where law librarians, where researchers bring a whole lot of value through what they do, not only because of institutional knowledge, but even in a business development sense, being able to talk to people in other firms, to clients, and demonstrate what it is that a firm or legal department does. So moving forward, I think that's going to be the biggest change is just a focus on demonstrating value as much as anything else and what that means to not only attorneys but staff moving forward probably means adopting technology more and integrating some of those innovative benefits of tech and of workflows into what you're doing mm -hmm. um i think the word that was flung around so much um before the pandemic uh, which I think you would agree is the word innovation. And I thought you were going to go blockchain. Blockchain <laughs> always gets thrown around all well, the time, but innovation's a good too. one too. Um, yeah. So innovation, wondering what you're seeing or hearing about what's happening inside law firms and legal departments. Has this pandemic made them um, more innovative and sort of uh, scrappy in a way? Would you say, you know, law firms and legal departments are more focused on like the brass tacks and adopting tech that's considered more must have versus nice to have? Yeah, I, I would say the latter. Um, it's actually kind of interesting looking back at this in retrospect, because even last year's Legal Week New York, that was actually one of my main takeaways even before this pandemic stuff hit. It was that a lot of not only law firms, corporate legal departments, but even legal technology developers themselves were focusing more on adoption and making sure that what people already have actually is in use across the entire enterprise versus trying to get out there revolutionary technology or something that's going to change the game, but also requires a lot of investment in time and money from law firms to corporate legal departments. And what I think you saw over the pandemic was not only that furthering where people wanted to make sure that, hey, as we're going remote, let's use the stuff that we have here, but accelerating those timelines so quickly. Um, I mean, you saw how quickly Zoom and video conferencing technologies got accelerated, but also document management systems. When you can't actually have things in file folders because everybody's at home, people need to learn how to use their DMS very, very quickly. Analytics systems. People wanted to search for themselves rather than going down to the law librarian and saying, hey, can you look this up for me? Uh, so many of these technologies that maybe they would have gotten to this level of use a little bit uh 
say five or so years down the road. But now that is just picked up so quickly where pretty much everybody to this point knows Oh, knowledge management, even if you don't have a fully baked knowledge management system yourself, you at least know a little bit better where things are in a repository or who I can contact to make sure that not my knowledge management question actually can be answered a little bit quicker. Uh, just that acceleration of how people are adopting technology, I think, has been the major change, maybe even versus the technology piece itself. Hmm, that's interesting perspective. And actually, on that note, uh, you know, here we are at the beginning of a new year, we have a new president here in the US. Um, we have a vaccine, finally, that's being distributed, um, albeit, you know, slow, slowly, and hopefully <laughs> steadily. I'm curious, um, with this sort of like a fresh start, what are some of the topics that readers care about the most right now? I know the end of 2020 was like, predictions and what can we expect in the new year? How, I'm just curious, how, how has that changed? You know, what, what do people care about now? Yeah, I, I mean, we're uh, recording this on January 20th, where literally the inauguration was earlier today. Also, I don't think you know this, but literally my wife got her second round of the vaccine earlier today. Um, a lot of change, a lot of things still in flux. And like I was saying earlier, I think that's going to continue both in the legal world and in the world at large. So uh, a lot of what we've been covering, especially when it came to October, November, December, I think we're going to continue to see in the early part of this year is just how to handle that change and how to handle that flux. A lot of our analysis pieces that were centered around okay, so when we go back to the office, what do we do with this technology? What do budgets look like? What's reasonable for budgets to look like, not only for technology itself, but say hiring and training and travel? Uh, this, these are questions that not only general businesses are having, but they're pervasive in the legal tech world itself. Um, uh, one other thing, particularly with the political piece of this, probably going to mean a lot of regulatory changes upcoming as well. So you saw with the CPRA being enacted in California, we had a bunch of questions around that and people were very interested. I think whether there's a federal privacy law, whether there's changes in law firm ownership rules like you see in Utah, Arizona, California coming up. Uh, a lot of those regulatory changes are something we're going to be on top of. And also just the general changing legal landscape in terms of how law firms, corporate legal departments, legal technology companies, and uh, increasingly alternative legal service providers, and maybe even the big four, how that interplay continues to evolve, change how they all work together or whether they're law firms and ALSPs or competitors. It's something we've been reporting on in particular over the past five months or so, and we're going to continue to really hone in on that topic moving forward in the coming year. Is that a topic that is really of great interest to you or what are some of the topics that you're most personally interested in or keen on covering now and it as we go into the year? It is. It definitely is. I think for me personally, what really interests me about this sphere 
is the potential for change. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned up top, we worked at Inside Council beforehand. And while I loved working with you and working at with our team at Inside Council, the concept of corporate legal reporting, it didn't catch me as much just because a lot of it seemed pretty stagnant. A lot yeah. of corporate legal departments were doing the same thing that they had been doing previously. A lot of GCs had been in their positions for 10, 20 years. And the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, so a lot of what we were reporting on was general trends, but not necessarily that real transformational stuff. That's why I like legal tech is that real transformational stuff. So things like the changing law firm law firm ownership rules is very nascent, but has the possibility to be very transformational um, depending on a lot of the regulations themselves, what the actual players like the big four end up doing. It's a lot of speculation, but that speculation, the potential for it is what interests me. Uh, legal tech in general, like everything that's happening with artificial intelligence and how that is transforming law firms and corporate legal departments is the exact same thing. Uh, just being on the forefront of what's new, what's changing is so interesting to me and why I love the position that I'm in. That's awesome. I think it's going to continue to be, um, you know, just really interesting year to watch and and report on. Um, So thanks, Zach, for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure to work with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of For the Record. You can listen to more episodes of For the Record wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or go to platform.com forward slash for the record. Platform helps established leaders and emerging growth companies articulate how cutting edge technologies and services are reshaping and reinventing the world we live in. Until next time, this is Aaron Harrison.